You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Brian Myring. How you doing, man? I'm just lovely. Thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you reached out to me, said you had a pretty cool story, and we're going to get into that uh, in a little bit uh, about a specific buck that you uh, chased for a handful of years and finally sealed the deal on. But uh, before we get into that, why don't you let everybody know where you're from and what do you do for a living? I'm from northern Michigan. Uh, I work at a church. I take care of the facilities and just pretty much uh, do all the maintenance and cleaning and uh, take care of the grounds pretty sweet gig yeah so uh does that come with a lot of time to uh get outside and hunt and fish and and live that outdoor lifestyle yeah it's got a lot of freedom with it you know as long as i keep a couple hundred people happy every sunday yeah uh, that's a win right i can pretty much make my own schedule yeah well (laughs) as long as everything's done Right. Well, and, and, uh, I've, I've been a member of a a church, uh, for, you know, a handful of years, uh, back in the day. And, uh, sometimes that comment about keeping a couple hundred people happy can be a difficult thing to do. Yeah. So far, so good. Good deal. Good deal. So Northern Michigan, are you in the, are you in like the UP Northern Michigan or are you in the, the mitten? I'm in the mitten. Pretty much like where the, your ring would be on your ring finger area. Okay. So uh, what's the what's the terrain like up there? Now, I, I've had a lot of people from north, northern Michigan up here, and they're just like big woods, you know, pines, all that stuff. Is that the same where you're at? No, I'm in a pretty rural agricultural area where there's a lot of uh, dairy farms. So there's a lot of fields mixed with timber stands mixed with lowlands it's uh this specific spot i'm hunting is kind of on the edge of it's hilly uh farm terrain and everywhere that was too steep for them to like farm they would plant like a pine tree stand so they wouldn't have erosion so um it's it's kind of hilly farmland with random pockets of hardwoods and uh, any swamp usually has some type of like a conifer around it gotcha so what about the uh you know up uh, up in that uh area of the state maybe you're just a hair south of that but are you in one of those antler point restriction zones yeah they i know a couple years ago they put in that three on a side for your first buck and four on a side for your second buck so yeah it's an antler strict restriction area okay it seems to have made a pretty big difference in the last few years Oh, so you actually you you have seen it actually work, and now there's, 
uh, from a from a bigger antler standpoint, there's bigger antler deer in the area. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it used to be anything with a horn was shot, and everybody everybody owns a ten to forty acres. So I'm not sure how many two year olds even ever made it to three or how many one and a half year olds ever made it to two it was there was this piddly little box all the time yeah so what was uh when when that antler point restriction was introduced however many years ago what was the the hunting community interaction and and uh, reaction to that new law because i've heard some people were really for it and then some people were just like adamantly against it uh the the guys that I'm around were, were definitely for it because most of us have been putting it on ourselves anyway. So, um, it just gives, gives the neighbors that wouldn't have necessarily laid off those bucks. Uh, now they, now they have to. So you're, I'm seeing a lot more two and a half year old deer, which was not that common before this. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Northern Michigan antler point restriction area, um, where are you at in your hunting career per se? Would you call yourself a, a, a new hunter? Would you call yourself, uh, a, you know, expert level or somewhere in between? Which, where are you at? Uh, I wouldn't call myself an expert and I wouldn't call myself new. Uh, I've been hunting since, since I could, you know, my dad was a hunter and I, he taught me a lot of stuff or actually he just kind of showed me stuff and expected me to figure it out myself. <laughs> but, um, I've, I've, uh, I started out with like shooting bows as a kid, but I never really got into bow hunting. It's as, as an adult, uh, I went to college and I came back and my childhood bow didn't fit me anymore. Cause I grew like 14 inches. So, uh, after that, I didn't have anything to shoot. Uh, deer with with in the archery season so i just rifle hunted mainly okay uh, I, don't, I wasn't real serious about it i kind of just it was more of a social thing and um you just did it every year you went to the designated spot you you claimed and sat there and if you saw something you saw something if you didn't you didn't didn't put a lot of effort into trying to make the places i hunted better yeah but lately i've been uh i've been starting to bow hunt uh, with the help of somebody they just give me a hand-me-down crossbow and uh, then I decided I was gonna uh, start archery hunting and trying to get a little bit better and the last I think I think that was 2018 was the first year I kind of started archery hunting as an adult and each year gotten a little bit better and have uh, got gotten a lot better in this past year has been a, a big growth season for not being terrible at hunting i gotcha all right so it sounds to me like you you lived that uh that gun season lifestyle uh of a of michigan which was go to hunt camp with the buddies you go out if you saw something you shot it if you didn't no big deal and then you go back to the the camp and eat and drink and be merry and, and then do it until, you know, do that until the weekend's over and then go back uh, and wait till next year. Yeah. Luckily, I mean, we live, I live close enough to my hunting season that it was, you could go every day pretty much, but gotcha. Yeah. Pretty much that except for seven days a week instead of just on the weekend. Right. Okay. But for the most part, strictly a gun hunter up, up until uh, 2018. 
Yep. Okay. Definitely. So what triggered you to say, Hey man, I'm going to, I'm going to try this crossbow thing. Well, uh, a giant deer pretty much okay. uh, getting trail camera pictures of, of good deer. And, um, uh, I hunt my father-in-law and my brother-in-law's farm. So I have a fair amount of access to hunting land, but when you're doing the whole rifle thing, you're kind of limited to, here's my, here's my deer hunting rifle spot. You sit in your spot. Um, and nobody else bow hunted the, the farm. So it kind of gave me a little bit more freedom to kind of run around and try to to try to hunt spots that may may have more deer may have better deer than the specific spot i rifle hunted every year okay so another example and i hear this a lot of guys getting into cro- you know crossbows or archery season type hunts because they just wanted to experience more hunting and do it where it what you know when you didn't have uh, so many people on top of you if that makes sense yeah okay absolutely you know i before in my younger years i wanted to run around and have fun on the weekends and there were things that were more important than chasing deer in the woods but when you grow up and have a family you don't really need to do all those quote unquote fun things that you did when you were a kid yeah so when that all went down you know so so it was a, a big buck on trail camera or several deer on trail camera that yep. said, Man, I gotta I gotta get out before the, the rifle seasons to get a crack at these things. Pretty much. I mean, they would I would get trail camera pictures of them coming up until like November fourteenth and then everything would just disappear after November fifteenth. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the seems to be the case in a lot of uh states that have a a heavy population of gun hunters that anything after that rifle season it gets real hard unless you're putting in a lot of effort trying to track them down yeah yeah it just seems like uh everybody has a rifle and everybody wants to go out on november 15 and i'm not really sure where they go to hide from everyone but yeah a few of them make it through okay so your buddy handed you or you got a hand-me-down crossbow from a buddy and said this is a good place to start uh pretty much i just kind of said man i really don't feel like spending a bunch of money on a bow because if i do that i'll probably want the best one and then yeah i i'm i'm an unusually large human so it's also hard to find a bow (laughs) to make work so I, I figured I could get a crossbow to fit me a lot easier than a, a regular bow. I gotcha. All right. So, you know, and I've, I've never, I've shot a crossbow maybe twice just to test it out, you know, and in Iowa, I don't have the ability, like, uh, uh, unless you're, you have a, a doctor's note or you're over the age of like 60 or something like that, you can't use a crossbow. Right. So disability or senior citizen, basically, you can't use a crossbow or I think a ki- kids during youth season can can use one. But the question is, is what what's the learning curve for a crossbow? I've never had to to, you know, sight one in per se. Is it is it easy? Yeah, it's it's if you can rifle hunt, you can crossbow hunt. I mean, I just. It was a pretty seamless transition. Yeah. Um, 
you you'll want like shooting sticks because they're just really front heavy and hard to are hard to hold, you know, in place. But yeah, um, you wouldn't want to be you wouldn't want to be. I mean, maybe if you're better at better at it than I am. But the one I had weighed like four hundred pounds, and it wasn't very much fun to carry through the woods. So, <laughs> so it was I always. So it was an old sticks. one. <laughs> yeah, it's relatively heavy. Okay. I think a Barnett Predator or something like that. Gotcha. All right. So as you transition into, you know, an archery, you know, trying to hunt an archery season, um, did you have, like, what what was your goal? What was your mindset or expectations going into this first archery season in, in uh, 2018? I just thought it would give me more more opportunity at, you know, seeing more deer before, you know, everybody flooded into the woods. Yeah. Um, I'd set a couple of tree stands that first year in the area that I had gotten trail camera pictures. And, and that summer I had scouted that area and climbed up and climbed into a tree and, and um, had taken pictures of some of the bucks that were using the specific area that I was hunting. Um, and, I thought somehow I got to get up here with a tree stand and figure it out. It's kind of a difficult spot to, to hunt because it's, there's a lot of weird wind things. It's a, it's a ridge system that has kind of field benches and, and it's just really difficult to get up there and, and figure out how everything works. But I thought I got to get up here and just start working my way into figuring out how I can get into a position to, to kill one of these bucks at that time there was at that time there's probably four bucks that i would have shot i mean all day long not necessarily huge but bigger than most of the things i'd ever seen and hunted in my life yeah so you had it this this archery season also got you out pre-season to try to figure out you were running trail cameras you're doing scouting you it sounds like you were doing some uh summer glassing or picture taking or whatever and and trying to uh really put together like start start the strategy of scouting yeah absolutely previous to that it was you rolled you shot your gun four times the day before the 15th and hopefully you woke up having time to go out to your deer stand and, <laughs> and this one i was i was in the mind for all right i gotta work a little bit harder to give myself better opportunities and yeah that year i had had really scouted a lot more I'd, i don't remember i think someone had shot a deer the year before that and had wounded it and i had saw we'd followed the blood trail into this specific area that i ended up bow hunting later and just saw the sign in there and thought oh my goodness this is just the craziest deer sign i'd ever seen at that point so uh, I thought bow hunting would be a good opportunity to get me up there, and then I needed to figure out how to find deer better than than just hey, there's been deer here before, yeah. there'll be deer here again, kind of. A... Yep. All right. So as the summer progressed on um, in that in, in 2018, did you start to pick up any indicators of deer movement, uh, where deer were living, anything that was going to help you? in the, you know, the archery season that kicked off on October 1st? Uh, I thought I had figured things out. Uh, in reality, I had not. 
Um, that specific year, so it's a it's an eighty acre piece that I'm that I'm hunting, just one specific field, and there's a small bench in in that eighty acres, kind of between. Um, there's a there's a ridge system there, and there's about a twenty acre wood lot on top of the ridge system and it's like the top of the hill there and then everything flows down in every direction from there pretty much and i'm on one of the downhill sides from that so it's a a hardwood uh hilltop flows down to a bench of a, a field and then it gets steep enough that they couldn't farm that area so they had pine trees planted on the on the side hill and then that pine tree plant kind of flowed into like a little marsh area. Okay. So, um, at the summertime, that bench was planted with soybeans and there, I mean, every buck around was there. There's not a lot of soybeans planted up in our area. So that was a really big draw and they appeared to all be bedding on top of that hill overlooking that bench and then coming down to feed it in the evening. Um, but the problem I had in 2018 was that they, they cut all the soybeans in September. So that pretty much eliminated all the deer from coming down into there. Okay. So them harvesting a field, uh, cause September soybean just sound real early unless it was a drought or, I mean, did, was, were the beans brown? At that point, you ready uh, to go? They have to spray. They had to spray them to defoliage them. I, it's it's pretty early. I don't know. It's a little bit different here than probably other longer growing seasons. Yeah, but by the time October rolled around, they were they would harvest them right at the end of September. They left a little small patch, um, in a spot that was too muddy to get to, but. The, they were brown by that point. Okay. So in Iowa, uh, you know, and that's all, really all I have to compare to is, uh, you know, there's there's some grain waste sometime. Uh, and uh, if they harvest in October or uh, even into November or, I don't know, very rarely do they ever harvest anything but silage in, uh, in uh, September. But anyway, um, the deer still come to that. And they still use it as a food source until that grain is completely gone. So um, it sounds to me like the de- once that corn was picked, they just skedaddled out of there and were- went somewhere else. And there's probably a high percentage of me being up there way too much checking trail cameras. Okay, that didn't <laughs> that didn't help either. Okay, so a little hunter pressure so or uh, human was, pressure. I think it was a little bit hunter pressure, and then and then when they harvested it, they gotcha. just kind of. Yeah. Did you see a reaction on your trail cameras where the beans were in, you still had trail camera picks, the beans were out, no trail camera picks? Yeah, because there was still standing corn everywhere else. Okay. So they just went into the standing corn and that was kind of what seemed I seen every year from from that point. You would get them in the summer in that camera and then as the corn got taller, they just wouldn't well, you did they didn't come out of the corn as much to to get their picture taken yeah okay all right so 
you had a, an obstacle that you had to work around. So what happened once the season came into play in 2018? Well, what, what are we talking about here? Uh, um, did you use that information to uh, any of that trail camera information or any knowledge? You know, because it sounds to me like there is a disappearance or a shift in deer movement once the corn was out. How did you adapt to that shift to try to get into, into position to, to shoot a deer? Well, I didn't really do a whole lot correct in 2018. So um, I sat up there a lot in the beginning of the season, and and I just did not see any deer. And I ended up going to um, hunting different areas of the farm uh, to try to give myself a different opportunity. And uh, eventually I ended up shooting uh, a buck on the other end of the farm. Uh, And the rule that we have for that is you get one buck a year even though you know legally you can shoot two you can only shoot one on the farm is the farm rules so gotcha. in 2018 after i shot that buck i was no longer hunting for it for the bigger buck okay so what made you so so what made you shoot this buck if you're if your target preseason was one of these bigger bucks that uh came you know came was coming around what made you shoot this this other buck um it was this was a buck i didn't have a picture of it was a eight point with like a it ended up having about a 20 inch spread and uh i really didn't think i was going to get an opportunity at the there was two bucks that were were bigger and older age class than the one i shot but i really just i didn't think i was going to get an opportunity at either one of those so this presented itself and I spot and stalked the buck from like 600 yards away and somehow grunted it in and, and shot that one. So I was, I was pretty happy with that situation. Oh, dang. So you shot him from the, from the ground even. Oh yeah. From the ground. Yep. Oh, that's on like... my belly. Nice. What, what time of year was this? That was, I believe it was either November 13 or 14. I think it was November 13. So two days before, the uh, rifle season started. okay all right so you ended up shooting a, uh, a buck maybe one that wasn't necessarily on your hit list per se but one that uh you you know you have an exciting story about it you shot it from the ground little spot and stock action um then so so then you go into rifle season did you shoot anything during rifle season no not that year i didn't i shot a uh, i think i shot a doe or two or Gotcha. But no bucks after that. No bucks after that. All right. So 2018 season's over, right? And yep. 2019 season, you know, for me, you know, for me and all the hardcore guys, the the next season starts as soon as that season's over. What uh what did you do to educate yourself in 2019 to get ready for that season as far as maybe more trail camera work or more scouting or or you know, more gear preparation or whatever. What did you do or, or have planned uh, to get better at locating these deer before the, the 2019 season? So 2019, uh, I, I invested in better trail cameras. I got some of those cutty back, cutty link ones that you can check from a home camera. So, you know, you can get up to 16 cameras and they'll take all the pictures and send them to one camera because I knew that 
I just could not keep myself from checking the trail camera like way too much. So I, I had the home camera was about my father-in-law's house is about, I don't know, three quarters of a mile away from where this, where I was hunting. So I had those cameras taking pictures on top of the hill and sending it to my father-in-law's house where I had a trail camera and that's where I would check it. So I could keep myself from being up there all the time. Yep. Um, I just couldn't, just couldn't help myself, man. I just wanted to be up there and figure things out. Uh, I also moved the tree stand to a different position that I thought I might be able to, to uh, get a little bit better wind. What I noticed was no matter if the wind was out of the West, how that bench sat was, was North and South. It kind of went North and South. And no matter how the wind was, you would either have the wind, you know, coming up to the bench, rolling over top of those pines and then swirling, and then it would either go north or it would go south. Um, so I tried to pick a spot where I would be, where that wind would tumble and, and push out to the field that I, that was the neighbor's property. So I couldn't hunt that area anyway. So that was the goal with that tree stand move. Um, I put my trail cameras out like in June or something like that, just to try to, you know, document as much as I could. So uh, I didn't get a lot of pictures of them in 2019, but I I got pictures of them in July. Um, So now you've identified the same buck, right? So, so 2018 comes around pictures of them in, 17 i got a couple pictures of them around uh the end of september to the middle of october just a couple pictures and 18 i had a lot of i saw them a few times with my you know binoculars and camera yeah. in the summer and then i had pictures of them at the same time uh end of september beginning of october um I don't believe I had any pictures of them in November. Okay. And then in 2019, I had pictures of him in July, just a couple. He would, he came through a couple times. And then again, he was there at the end of September, the beginning of October. Um, yeah. Looked right in that last week and first week of September and October. Okay. So you have a returning customer, right? And when it, when I have a returning customer, I really like to focus on like historical data. Did you pull up any old trail camera pictures once you started getting more pictures of them in 2019, uh, to, to say to yourself, all right, this is where I get the most pictures of him. This is where I need to focus. This is how I need to access this area. Like, did, did you, did you have that thought process yet? Yeah, each year I got a little bit better at trying to understand that um, access had always been a problem to that specific uh, piece of property. Um, No matter, you could not access it in the morning because you had to walk through the field to get to where your stand was. Um, And in the evenings, it just, it just, if you, I was used to just kind of walking along the edge of the woods or the fence line, you know, thinking that that would be the best way to access it, uh, for cover. And 
2019, I was still trying to figure out the access, uh, and I hadn't quite got it figured out yet. Um, well, what was the question again? I hey, no, kind no. of like a two-part question there. Yeah, so so you 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 really started breaking down where this deer started to live, uh, where this deer was living, and how you were going to access his movement. Yeah. Right. So it sounds to me like you were limited um, on access routes uh, for this particular farm. Like, did you do anything like try to um, knock on a, a neighbor neighboring property door to see if you could, you know, walk through their property to get into your property? Or did you try to think outside the box as, hey, maybe if I just hug the fence line real tight, I can, you know, J hook into the property or anything like that? Yeah, I don't think it was in 2019. And the other part of, I think, that question that I was trying to think of the answer to was the historical data of trail camera pictures. And at that point, I started to, like, create a a file of all of the pictures that I had of this buck. Um, I named him LB, which is just short for Little Browse, because at the 2017 year, there was two big the two big bucks that i saw was this giant eight point with really tall brow times that were like eight nine inches and then this buck in 2017 was only an eight point but it was like a mainframe 10 minus the brow times so hence the the little brow name and it just made it easier to figure out instead of saying you know the eight point without the brows or the eight point with the big brows yeah just shortened it up so i'll just refer to him as, as LB. Okay. But the, so I had this file on my phone of every trail camera picture of LB that I had, had gotten. And that's when I started to realize, you know, he, he typically would show up around the end of September, the beginning of October. And then he would just, he just seemed to disappear after that. Okay. So when, when a buck disappears like that, what do you do? Uh, did you just say, okay, well, he's gone. I'm going to shoot something different. Or did you in 2019, did you say, I'm going to hold out just a little bit longer. I'm going to try to, I don't know. Like I'm willing, you know, damn it. I'm willing to eat my tag. In 2019, my, my dad uh, had bought a piece of property. So I was kind of spending my time between the two properties, my father-in-laws and my, and my dad's. Um, so I spent a lot of time on my dad's hunting at that point, just because that I think I started to figure out that um, where I was hunting was just the edge of, of his home area. Um, I, he wasn't betting on the property on that 80 acres that I was on. He had to have been betting someplace um, other than that. And also I was having issue like a, a tough time where there was always one field on the neighbors that was standing corn all year long, like all the way to like February sometimes. And I just kind of started to think uh, if there's standing corn, he always seems to be when I get pictures of him, he's coming in and out of the standing corn. So I, I kind of just thought, well, he's just in that corn. Um, I'm hunting the edge of that corn, but I was a little bit between the two. I was seeing a lot more deer on my dad's. So that was drawing me to, you know, go hunt there. And he had some pretty decent deer on that. Yeah. Not to the caliber of this LB buck, but 
um, in 2019 was pretty light on camera pictures of him. And so my focus for a lot of the time was hunting my dad's, um, and my, you know, you have friends like, you're an idiot. If you've got an opportunity to shoot a giant buck, why would you spend every day up there trying to get it? Yeah. Um, but it just, it just wears on you when you sit there and you don't see any deer, even if you have an opportunity um, at, at a once in a lifetime buck. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, man, I tell you what, I ate, I ate my tag for multiple seasons chasing one particular deer uh, back in the early 2000s mid you know like uh it was like from 2006 to or 2000 excuse me 2007 to 2011 chasing pretty much one deer and it you don't see him and you don't see him and he disappears and you don't see him and then you see him but then he he disappears again and and it's like you're playing this game of uh chess that you all the statistics are are stacked against you and it can like mentally it starts it starts to um i don't know it just I, you keep going and you keep going because that's what you do but i don't know at the end of the season after you've eaten your tag for uh that many years and then you you know you have like a 140 class buck or for me it was like a 140 class parade during the rut i'd just be like god that one looks real good that one looks real good but then you 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 know that if if you shoot that deer then you're definitely not going to be able to shoot the the other one so how did you like get out of that funk uh well in 2019 i had not really come close to this deer other than seeing him uh one time after dark and seeing him in the summer i had never had laid eyes on him other than those those two times and I just didn't feel like I was close to him. I kind of felt like I was hunting a ghost that, you know, he's here, but I'm not good enough to kill him. You know, I'm, I'm just not, I, I'm not at that point where, you know, I don't, and then I didn't think he frequented the property enough. Yeah. Because every time I was in the, the biggest disappointment I had in 2019 was, um, I was, sitting at my dad's and having like just a really fun time there hunting. And then the next day I went, uh, to check the trail camera and that buck had been for the first time in all of the years that I had pictures of him had daylighted, uh, underneath my tree stand the day before when I was hunting a different property. Yeah. And you're just like, Oh man, kick to the stomach. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, did you go after this buck during gun season at all, or did you have access to go after this particular deer LB during gun season at all? Uh, sort of, but not really. I mean, I kind of stuck to my area and then my brother-in-law had a, had a rifle blind that was in the general vicinity, but you, you couldn't see where I had, where I was bow hunting, but uh, and I would sit there once in a while, but I'd, no, obviously nobody ever saw that buck in rifle season or he would have been dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure what hole he grew, crawled into or, or I think the fact is there was standing corn and there was, I don't know, probably 60 acres of standing corn, um, 2017, 2018, 2019. I don't know if he was bedded in that 
and just lived in there all the time and somehow managed never to walk in front of anybody. But I don't know if anybody ever had seen him and I don't know of anybody that had trail camera pictures of him either. Yeah. It sounds to me like, uh, the, uh, this deer and, and I hear other guys, especially from Michigan and and Pennsylvania and New York talk about this, just like a a place where a deer can just disappear. Right. It's probably a simple overlooked spot. Hell, it could have been, right off the road it could have been in some dude's backyard it could have been you know one of a thousand different places that this buck just went during you know the the gun season and he just sat there and didn't move and listened to all the chaos go on for however many days and then he walked out of it the the following year you know so um in total roughly into in 2019 how many trail camera pictures or um uh uh I guess visuals from the stand did you have with that particular buck LB? Ah, uh, I I don't know. I had dozens of trail camera pictures of him and only two times that I ever laid possibly laid eyes on him. I assume the one in the dark in 2017 was him because it was one of two bucks that but yeah, very very limited, but I had lots of trail camera pictures at night. Um, yeah and only one in daylight. Yeah. Out of curiosity, how many does were living on this farm that he was visiting? I don't know. There's does just about everywhere. I okay. I couldn't even So there there's imagine. there's a good I mean, he's coming through the property at some point, right? And yeah, he's yeah. he's visiting it during the breeding season. Down, I mean, there's there's doe bedding areas, right? Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah, there's doe bedding areas, and that 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 area seemed to pick up a, a bit uh, during the rut. Um, it was good in the summer because it was a place where you couldn't see it from the road. Um, they had they had cover around, and they had feed around, and then once the corn came up, they just you didn't get a lot of pictures because there was several hundred acres of corn around, and they just seemed to be in there all the time. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. 2019 comes to an end without this buck. Did you sh- did you shoot a buck in 2019? Uh, yeah, I did. I shot a a buck that I thought was bigger than what it was, uh, like an 80, 90 inch six point. So, okay, and that was with a crossbow or a crossbow or with that a, was with a rifle. A rifle. Okay, during the rifle, rifle season. All right, all right. So. You, you know, you, you get a deer during the rifle season. Uh, any attempts at this buck ever after the rifle season? Like late season? I tried to, to hunt like the marsh area uh, in muzzleloading, but I, I sat there several different times and froze and never saw a deer. Yeah. Okay. All right. So no go 2019. Did you do Correct. anything special? after the 2018 uh, 2019 season and before the 2020 season started like educating yourself uh more scouting more trail cameras i don't know anything yeah i spent a lot of money on gear that year so i i upgraded to a little bit nicer crossbow just a little newer and not quite so heavy i bought uh a cell camera for that cutty link system uh and 
I bought some better scent control uh, clothing. Um, and then I just ended up deciding, all right, this is the year I need to really figure this thing out. Um, so I started listening to podcasts and listening to YouTube, you know, the hunting beast, wired to hunt, listening to you. And then, you know, the hunting public and just watching all these successful guys and listening to all your tips and tactics on, on how to, uh, hunt. Um, I had put my trio cameras up pretty early again and, um, halfway through like the summer I'd gotten that cell camera because I just couldn't, I, it was getting expensive driving back and forth to my in-laws every day to check that, check that card. So I thought I'd make my life a little bit easier. Yeah. And I started paying attention to every time I would get a picture, what the weather was. So every night at about five o'clock, I started taking a screenshot of what the weather was, you know, barometric pressure, the the wind direction, all that stuff. So if I got a picture that night, I would be able to correlate it to with whatever the the you know the weather is doing. Yeah. In about August, I realized that I would only get pictures of bucks, of decent bucks, and that buck specifically when the wind was out of the north. Okay. So you had kind of a little click so, there, right? A little. Ah. Yeah, that was like a big, yeah, big aha moment. And the other part of that was, that was like a terrible wind direction. Like I was going to be sitting north of him. So <laughs> no matter how that was going to happen, I needed to get anal about scent control because he was going to come into that field from the downwind side. Okay, so it sounds to me like so, this property runs north-south. Is it like a tall rectangle yeah. north-south? Okay. Yeah. All right, which makes it makes it very difficult to do. And and why is he doing that? Because he gets to smell every single thing that he probably he probably walks that that southern side of that field and just scent checks the whole thing before he comes into it every single time. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I'm not sure exactly if he was where he bedded from there. I mean, there was really good bedding to the south, but there was 400 yards of field. And yeah. then, you know, there was that hardwood block of of timber that he could have been bedding on the, you know, the leeward side of the of that ridge or the hilltop. Or he could have been, you know, in that bottom, but it, it didn't seem that they were coming out of the, the marsh, the lower marsh area. So, yeah, yeah. I just knew that the only time I was going to be hunting that year is with a North wind and that I was going to have to get really anal. So, you know, I bought scent lock and I got, you know, like a ozone thing to put all my clothes in and try to kill all the stink off from it. And yeah, it's, it started to be a real operation to go hunting every, every time I went. <laughs> well, sometimes it's the details right? I mean, did, did you need some of that stuff? Maybe, maybe not. Right. But it's the details that there's a lot of details that uh, a guy or gal have to 
start thinking about if they want to up their game to hunting specific deer or higher age class deer, especially in a state like Michigan that has uh, a higher population of people in the timber at all times and, uh, you know, um, more pressure. So, uh, it's the details like that. I mean, the, the, the fact that you figured some of that stuff out is pretty impressive, right? I mean, you, you had these moments where you're like, I, if I want to kill this deer, I got to do something different. Here's my attempt at doing something different. Okay. I, I got some more information. Now I know that, uh, the, another thing I need to do different is the strategy. I only, I'm only going to hunt it. He only shows up on a North wind. So I'm only going to show up on a North, a North wind, which is going to help you in the long run, because you're staying out of that people are, you know, you're staying out of that property on South winds, on East winds, on West winds, whatever, because, uh, you know, you know what you need to do now. Now, with all that said, did he start showing up like during season, like during the, you know, the season is here. Were you still getting cell cam pictures of him? Was he, was he a regular customer? I mean, were you ready to uh, go after him early season if necessary? Yeah, this was the year I got the most trail camera pictures uh, by far, but I also took all my trail cameras and I literally had three trail cameras. Two of them were like 30 yards apart. Yeah. And another one was about 70 yards from that one. Um, and it was just amazing how you could you could get him on one of those cameras and not another one. It just I don't know if he just moved so slowly or what, but he was just sneaking in there. And some nights you'd get him on all the cameras, and sometimes you wouldn't. Uh, one of the the actual the biggest dumb thing that I did right, I got one more camera, and I went out there the day, the day before opening season. Uh, of bow on September 30th or something like that. And I went and I, at lunchtime, I got as close as I thought I could get uh, to like where I thought the, the bedding area might be. And I hung up one of those cameras, made a mock scrape and peed in it and then got out of there. And I thought that was an extremely risky thing to do. I don't know if this is the right thing to do or not. But you did but it. But I ended up getting, I did it. And well, probably, I'm sure John Eberhart would have punched me in the face if if I told him that. But uh, I just thought I got to get a, a like a a primary scrape camera, even yeah. if it's a homemade primary scrape. Yeah. And that ended up being really, really helpful. Okay, so you started getting trail camera pictures of him on that camera. Not right away. Uh, I got the, the regular field cameras. There was two of them up on that bench where the field was. The third was down in the marsh area. Uh, earlier on, all I would have him was up on the bench, feeding usually in the evenings um, and occasionally in the mornings. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until, I think, the middle of October when he started getting down into that that bottom okay all right so so i'm thinking he's go ahead i'm thinking he would summer up on top of the hill where the it was kind of an open timber and there was a spot that looked like it had some brambles so possibly he was up there yeah betting until that foliage came down and then he would 
I think he bedded a lot in the corn, but once the dough started coming into heat, he would start frequenting this other spot. Okay. All right. So when did you get in there and actively start hunting those north winds? I started pretty early in October because all of my trail camera pictures for the past couple of years had been, uh, he was there end of September, beginning of October. And then he would disappear for a little bit, right? Yep. Okay. And he would disappear. So, um, this was the first year though. It was that, that bench, it had been corn, then it had been soybeans, then it had been corn and this year it was, had been uh, oats and peas that they harvested early, and then they planted alfalfa on that bench. So this was the first year that I was going to have feed. Actual on that food bench on the during. property. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that, that's a win. That was like, a, yeah, that was made me really happy when I learned that. <laughs> All right. So and, and I also started changing my access. It seemed really stupid, but. I walked through the middle of the field because that field has a whole bunch of like hills and ridges in it. I found one little path during the summer when I was up there to scout that I could keep myself out of view of any of the possible bedding areas except for one tiny little spot that I had to cross. Uh, And then, I mean, of the half mile walk I had, you know, 50 yards where I might be in view of anything. And I was keeping myself yeah, as far away from any bedding as possible. Yeah. All right. So let's see here. Um, let's, let's just kind of cut right to the tra- chase. Why don't you walk us through the, the, first off, what day did you kill him? What was the date? November 5th. Okay. Oh, that's my birthday. Um, Let's just let's let's get right to November fifth. Then uh, why don't you walk us through? Uh, did you have an? Just answer yes or no on this. Did you have a north wind on November fifth? No. No. Okay. So you're 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 going back. What what led you to get into the woods on November fifth? Then if you didn't have a north wind, I was uh, working at church that morning and I got a cell phone camera text a picture of him at 8 30 in the morning okay on that primary scrape that i had made the day before season. bow season yep heading into this little bottom that was uh it had open field to the south open field to the north and a road to the west and that bench was up to the east of it Okay. And so I thought, well, that deer is most likely not going to leave that little area unless something pressures him out of there. I mean, he's got cover. So Uh, I worked that day extremely distracted. And finally, like about three o'clock, I decided, all right, I'm going home. I went home, did the one hour regimen of trying to clean everything off of my body that would ever have odor gargle with peroxide and shower and spray my clothes down and headed to the field. Uh, I get to the field about four o'clock and I got about a half a mile walk. 
I walk up to where my tree stand is, and I knew at this point I could give myself uh, up to anything. Like, I wasn't too worried about being seen by any deer other than in that bottom, so I walked a little different path than what I normally would, just knowing that I could give up 50% of where I think the deer are to to go uh, after this specific yeah. deer so yeah. I got up to where my tree stand was. What time is this? And I decided uh, that point was about like 4.10. Okay. Something like that. 4.10 in November, uh, on November 5th. And uh, this would have been, this year, this would have been before the change, right? Was it before or after the, the time change? Uh, I think it's after. I'm not really okay. sure. Regardless, it, 410 during the rut seems a little, you know, it's late to be getting to the tree stand, but not a big deal, right? So you get you get to the tree stand, you get set up. What happens? Well, I decided not to sit in my tree stand because I wanted to get closer to that bottom. So okay, I started creeping down towards that little marsh where uh, I thought, or where I saw, where I had the trail camera picture of him going. And I, the leaves were so dry that day and it was so quiet. So I'm getting ahead of myself. That day was a Southwest wind. Okay. Uh, and that's why I thought it was so odd that I got a picture of him that day. So I assumed he was with a doe and that's why he was off from his game. Okay. Of being in, you know, getting in view in daylight on a wind that he never would have been taken like the whole rest of the year. He's never been a, had a picture taken of him with a South wind. So, <clears throat> which worked really good for me because he was going to be in theory South of me. So instead of going to my tree stand, I tried to sneak closer to the marsh where I thought he would be because, um, I didn't know exactly where he'd be coming out, but I, I wanted to get a view uh, of any ac- exit of that that marsh so it was so dry and awful that every time i took a step it was like the entire woods blew up with like you know that crunching dry leaf noise yep and i'm it was it was really unbearable because you know you're trying to be quiet there's not much of a breeze so i'm trying to take a step every time a car drives by or i see a squirrel go through so I think I made it 40 yards from my tree stand in what seemed to be 40 minutes. I'm not exactly sure. And I finally just said, I can't get any closer. I sat on my butt with my back to like one of the pines on that side hill. And I could overlook the entire exit of that marsh. Yeah. Uh, So I'm sitting there just trying to stand still. And eventually a doe came out and, and a minute later I see a buck and I, put my binoculars up and it's him and i'm thinking holy cow you know i'm actually seeing him yeah and then i realized well i don't have a lot of time so i gotta make something happen here so i get my grunt to about i grunted at him and he immediately just started just annihilating this tree right next to him he had come out south west of me so i had perfect wind um and he was kind of along this field edge there. And I went to put my binoculars up to see if he was coming, but my I was shaking so bad I couldn't even see him through my binoculars. So 
I, I just saw him down there and I, I could tell that he hadn't been coming anymore. So I thought I better grunt a couple more times, kind of do like a, a tending sequence grunt where, yeah, you know, maybe he'll think that I'm, another buck is in there. So I do that. And immediately after that, I hear these footsteps coming from right below me. And here comes a, a different buck, a nine point headed right at me. And I'm like thinking, oh my goodness, this buck is going to like come up and see me and spook and i'm my heart just sank thinking this deer is gonna figure it out i'm just sitting next to a pine tree and not like hidden very well at all yeah and he comes in 50 yards away looking straight at me and all of a sudden he looks back behind him and that lb had disappeared from the side of the uh, field and i'd see him and he walked right through that primary scrape that I had made. And that. He, he came right through that primary scrape and then, and that nine point that was looking at me at 50 yards, looked right back at him and realized he was probably about to get annihilated. And he just kind of stopped the nine point stopped coming straight towards me and I was kind of along the edge of a clear cut where these the pines I was on uh the pines I was in just to the edge of that was a clear cut and he walked right up in just inside of those pines and he walked about 30 yards to my left and just a couple seconds later LB comes stops at that 50 yard point same spot and I'm thinking oh my goodness what's going to happen here say a little prayer like oh lord just help me be my best if this happens yeah and he he walks right up the same trail that the nine point did and he's going to be about 30 yards away so i get myself set i'd already been pointed that direction i picked two trees that i was going to try to stop him at so he gets to that tree his head's in it and i go meh and he takes one and a half more steps and stops and his shoulder is covered up by one of those two trees. Oh my God, and dude. I'm sitting there thinking, this is 30 yards. Yeah. He's a really old buck. What, what do I do here? Do I, what do I do? And I just running through this in my mind as fast as possible. i bring the crossbow up and look through the scope at him and I can see I can get maybe three inches of the back of his lung is showing. Yeah. And I'm, you're running this over like in milliseconds of what you're going to do. And I, I just decided this is, this is the only chance I'm going to have at this buck. There's no way he's going to not do something weird. So I got the Southwest wind trying to compensate for the wind and, and put the arrow in the right spot. I settle for some reason I stopped shaking. I don't know how that happened, but just like ultra focused. I was about uh, holding the crosshairs about an inch off the tree. I'm like, no, that's not going to be enough. I move it over about two inches and I just let just squeeze that trigger nice and slow. And I hear tick. And I saw the, the lighted arrow knock kind of kick to the right, which would be towards the back of the deer. And he mule kicked, ran up the hill, turned, and he ran right down, like right in front of me at about 20 yards. 
and I could see the blood pumping out of him in the middle of his ribs. So I knew the exit wound was good. And he stopped about 40 yards away and just like stunned. Like he had no idea what happened. And you could hear that, that gurgling in their lungs a little bit. And then he just took off like at a dead sprint. And I couldn't tell, like it was, he was just crashing through a bunch of stuff and just, I couldn't tell if he made it out of the woods or if he hadn't. Yeah. All right. So you're probably going crazy at this point, right? Three, you know, three years of uh, history with this deer, making moves on this deer. And finally he shows up, you're on the ground, you nail him, you know that he's bleeding, but you don't see him fall. All right. Did you, how close to dark was it at this point? Um, it was, the sun was, had just set. Okay. So there's still, there's still some time, you know, there's still some shooting light left basically. How, like, what what was your next step? Did you stand up and instantly start walking towards him or did you go back to the truck or what's the deal? Uh, I texted a couple people and made some phone calls and, uh, I stood up and, you know, I'd call my dad and my dad's, uh, He's like a no risk taker. He's like, nope, just wait until tomorrow morning. Don't yeah. even think about going in there. And then you call your buddies and they're like, you got to go and get that thing. <laughs> so I, I, I walked the opposite direction out of the woods and I went to try to find my bolt. Yeah. Uh, I found it right where the deer had been standing. So like in a normal situation, it would pass through and go flying into yeah. oblivion, but it was laying right there. So I'm like, oh, this is weird. And then I'm so shook up. I'm like, I'm just going to walk out of here instead of thinking, like, just trying to sneak out quietly. Yeah. I think I walked over every brush pile that was even there, just tripping and falling and like not paying attention. Just, yeah. Oh, uh, well, yeah. You're just so in, yeah. in shock and stuff. Walk back to the truck, go home and call my buddies up and show them the bolt. And we sat there for three hours and I'm like, sick to my stomach because I, I don't know if i hit him way back on on the entry part or not and yeah so finally we sit there for three hours we drive back to my father-in-law's um and we're going to get his little buggy to rot, drive through the field so we don't wreck the field and he always likes to give me a whole bunch of crap about shooting all of his deer so we're sitting there and he's giving me a hard time in front of my buddies and as we're sitting there we can see where the field is there's a truck driving around with a spotlight out spotlighting that field that the deer i thought had run into so my anxiety was it was pretty bad yeah so but finally all right yeah. so so you you grab some buddies and uh you know when when you did you pick up blood right away yeah we finally drove up there after uh I got my father-in-law to stop giving me such a hard time and went up there, walked to, I had to find the tree cause I'd never sat there before. And the, so I had to find the tree where I was sitting in the dark, pick up the blood trail. And it is a giant blood trail. You could, we were yeah. walking as fast as we could walk. And one of my buddies goes, Hey, there he is. And I couldn't believe it when I got up to him. I mean, it was just, he was so much more impressive than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. All right, and this is this is like the first big accomplishment for you outside of the gun season, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. So, first off, man, congratulations! All right, 
Um, Thank you. Uh, that's uh, one hell of a story. I love I love the stories where the guy the 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 person fails a little bit. They they recover. They educate themselves. They absorb the information that the deer and the the environment is giving them, and they make a move and they get the job done. I love those stories, man. Um, so, you know, first off, congratulations. Second is what's next for for you? All right, you just shot uh, this this deer, uh, great deer, your biggest buck ever. Um, with a, you know, with a crossbow outside of the gun season, you're pumped, you're amped, but you're coming off your best year ever. What's, what's 2021 looking like for you? Uh, 2021, uh, I'm going to, I bought myself a regular bow this year and I'm practicing up on that. So the goal for this year is, is to shoot a buck with a regular bow. Um, that's okay. the plan. Um, hopefully, I found I have a nice shed on my dad's property that I found of a buck that's going to be pretty impressive. So he is the target right now. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, I'll tell you what, good luck uh, heading back out there in 2021. Congratulations again on a a great deer. And, uh, man, hopefully you get it done and we can do another one of these. Yeah, I'd love to do that, man. Thanks for having me.